The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Well, good morning. Welcome to this Thursday edition of our podcast. And we're so glad you're with us this morning as we are taking time in God's word and studying through the book of Colossians. And I want to thank you for those who are watching live. I know some of you are home, uh, can't go out for different reasons, and we're glad that you allow us to come into your home in this avenue, and I greatly appreciate that. I want to mention to all those who may be watching or listening to this um, to ask us to pray with something uh, specific. There is a a member of our church, Tim and Penny uh, Morton. Uh, They joined a few months ago and um, been a great part of our church. They serve in a ministry in reaching the undeserved and reaching young children. And right now they're running a camp. They run it through this coming weekend and it ministers to, generally I think they try to make it free if I understand it completely, but they minister uh, to many who need it and they give the gospel to them. And so it's happening, it's starting today, it's happening right now. So we'd ask you as a church to lift up um, the, uh, Tim and Penny Morton, even if you don't know them well or what's going on, know that this week they're ministering to many families and young people and uh, the people that they have brought in to serve and pray that uh, God will use them effectively in this place. Today, we're still in Colossians chapter one. Uh, We just got done looking at the preeminence of Christ as Paul was really taking this section of scripture and referencing the person of Christ. And again, it was important as all of this poor doctrines rolling into the church at Colossae, Paul is just, again, establishing the primary doctrine. We called it the doctrine of Christology, the doctrine of Christ. And so he's talked about the person of Christ. Now we're gonna talk a little bit about the working of Christ and what he's done. And what we're gonna do today is we're gonna talk about his work in reconciliation in our lives. And what does that mean? Sometimes you might hear me or other preachers mention that we've been reconciled. That's, that phrase is used in scripture. And so what does it mean to be reconciled? Why did we need to be reconciled? By the way, what we're gonna look at the next few moments is truly a foundational truth when it comes to the aspect of salvation and uh, what happened when you got saved or maybe why you need to be saved. Let's go back again at verse 20. Again, he's referencing Jesus in verse 20. He says this, and having made peace through the blood of his cross. Notice he goes back and references the blood. Without the shedding of blood, Hebrews says there is no remission of sin. So he reminds them that it's not just him being there or the death by itself. It was the shedding of blood that dealt with sin. He goes, so having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies of your mind by wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present, your, present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in, the, in his sight. So let's go ahead and just unpack these three verses, and it gives us an understanding of what Paul's trying to teach. So back in verse 20, he says, Having made peace with the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself. Well, what does he mean by he made peace and bringing reconciliation? So what we have to do is we have to go pretty much all the way back to the garden. The Bible says in the book of Romans, For as by one man sin entered into the world, and death came by sin. So death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. When Adam chose, please remember, it was not Eve, it was Adam, and that's a discussion in and of itself. But when Adam chose to sin, he plunged the human race 
into eternal damnation, really. He plunged the human race into this, what we call a sin nature, that each and every one of us have a nature now inside of us that, this, that does wrong. We are all sinners. For all of sin comes short of the glory of God because we are all of the bloodline of Adam. We are, he is everyone's father. And uh, there was punishment as a result of that. The moment sin came in, you see, when Adam and Eve walked in the garden, they literally walked face to face with Almighty God. Then sin came and it separated them. Now you notice, you can see that through the Old Testament, when God had them make the tabernacle and later the temple, there were three levels to it. Well, the, the farthest level was the Holy of Holies. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was, where God's presence would come. Well, the average person could not go in there. Only the high priest could go in, and there was an awful lot of requirements with that as well. And that was a constant reminder of that break between humanity and their creator. And so they were constantly covering the sin, waiting for the day that Jesus would come. And at that point, there was this break that no one could really come to the presence of God except the high priest. And then when Jesus came, he went to the cross. He did not go to the cross because he was sinful. He did not go to the cross because he was blasphemous. He was 100% man. He was 100% God. And in going to the cross, he went there for one reason. He went there to pay the punishment for our sin. We deserve to go to hell as a result of our sin. It only takes one sin to be a sinner. Let's put it this way. It takes you to be absolutely sinless to get to heaven. It doesn't say that you have, you're good outweighs your bad to get to heaven. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible actually says there is none righteous, no, not one. And it takes complete righteousness to get to heaven. You must be perfect, and none of us are. So if it requires holiness to get to heaven, and none of us are, how do we get there? Well, someone needs to pay our price. It's called the substitutionary death. Jesus then goes to the cross. He goes to the cross and he allows them to beat him with the cat of nine tails. He allows them to put the crown of thorn on him. He allows them to punch his face and pull out his beard. He allows them to nail him. I'm telling you, he could have walked away at any time, but he allows them because he lived in obedience to his father. He allows them to hang him to a cross. And then he finishes by saying, it is finished. To tell us to use the word. So much more behind that, but simply put, everything needed for the payment of sin has been solved. Here's what happened. That temple that wasn't too far away, that used to have that large veil that separated humanity from their creator, that veil rent in two from top to bottom. Rent in two. Nobody else did it. And what it did is it split that barrier, and now we can come back in the presence of God. He paid the punishment for our sin, and he reconciled us. It wasn't because of what we did. It's not because we're good. It's because the punishment for sin had been paid, and he reconciled. As a sinner, we are enemies of God. As a sinner, we can't talk to God. There's no, why can't you? Just say, holy God. When God comes, he reconciles us. He brings humanity back together. Now, we must accept his gift. We must accept the reconciliation. So what he says is, he comes and he offers his salvation. When I confess my sin to God and I call upon him for salvation, I be adopted into his family. And through the blood of Jesus, I am now a saint. I'm righteous. I'm not righteous, but I'm seen as righteous by God. Practically, positionally, I am righteous. And that is reconciliation. Because of the blood of Christ and the work of Christ, I can now boldly come before the throne of grace in the presence of God. That's reconciliation. What once we were enemies, now we're seated at his table as friends and family of Almighty God. That's what he means by this. And so he says he made peace. All of this chaos as a result of sin was made peace on the cross through his blood. He reconciled all things under him. He, he goes, by him. He goes, and by him, he did not anybody else. He did this, not us, he did. He said, by him, I say whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. He has solved the chasm and he's brought peace between us and God. Verse 21, and you, 
that were sometimes alien. At one point, you were, you were aliens and enemies in your, in, in your mind. In your thinking and your understanding, you were enemies. You were aliens. You were not part of God's family because you'd never been saved. It didn't make sense. Maybe you've tried to be religious. Maybe you've given money. You've been baptized. But in reality, you know something's missing. In your, in your mind, you're alienated. You're not, part of the, you're not part of God's kingdom. You're not a citizen of his kingdom. You're not part of his family because you've never been saved. There's a difference between being baptized and religious and being saved. Salvation is not through church. It is through Christ alone. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. That was the words of Jesus Christ. That is what he's talking about. For us that were one time aliens and enemies of God, because of our, or by or because of our wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled us. Before we were saved, when at one point we were wicked, we were evil, our mind desired to do evil things. And even in spite of all of that, God reconciled even the worst of sinners, even us. Back to God, back to our Creator. Verse 22, in the body of His flesh, in the body of Christ's flesh, through death, to present you, to present us, holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. You catch what happens here? Here's what happens, reconciliation. Here's what we're given from it. When we get saved, we are presented. Jesus presents us to God, holy, set apart from the world. He presents us unblameable. No one can look at us and say, you deserve to go to hell. We do deserve to go to hell, but God's already paid the punishment. We no longer do. Our cost has been paid. Our, our debt has been paid. He also presents us unreprovable in his sight. We stand before God righteous, not because we're righteous, not because our good outweighs are bad, not because we're good. We stand there righteous because of the work of Christ in him, by him. That's what it's said in this passage. It is the work of Christ alone that brings us salvation. It's not the works of myself or my church or my pastor or my priest or my religion. It's the work of Christ alone, and that's what I put my faith in. Nothing else. And he does this for me, and he reconciles me, holding positionally. I am, I am practically in every day a filthy, rotten sinner. Positionally, because of the blood of Jesus, I am free. I am reconciled to an almighty God, and I stand the righteous because of the works of Christ. I ask you one question. Do you stand righteous before God today? Not because you're good, but because you put your faith in Jesus. And then if you haven't, you can call upon him even today for that. We'd love to, if you got questions, please feel free to call our church. BenSalemBaptist.org's got our church information. We'd love to talk to you about that. But you can have that freely through Christ. It's not cheap. It was very expensive for Christ to offer, but freely through him. And then, but we have freedom. We can move forward. It doesn't place the weight on us to become good or to become something we can't. Once we're saved, then God begins to work in our lives to make us more into the image of his son. We call it sanctification. That's what he's doing. That is the beginning work. We're going to talk tomorrow a little more about the maturing that comes as what he does to process us and to make us more like him. Again, this is what Christ does, not what I do. And there's a big point to that. We'll talk about that again tomorrow. Well, again, thanks for joining us on this Thursday morning. Wonderful opportunity to be part of your day. I greatly appreciate it. Hope it's an encouragement. Hope it's a help. And I hope this continues to draw you to Christ. Uh, if you're new to this, I hope this was encouragement and you realize this is just about Jesus, about his word. And we hope that you'll continue to come back. Again, thanks for joining us this morning. And we look, or look forward to seeing you again tomorrow.